you're listening to Podiatry Marketing, conversations on building a successful podiatry practice with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Well, welcome back to Podiatry Marketing. I am your, I am the co-host, Tyson Franklin, and with me today is Jim McDonald. How are you doing today, Jim, you handsome bugger? Wow. Well, I'm, I'm doing much better now. You know, I'm, I hopefully I'm not too red in the video version of the podcast, but uh, I appreciate I'll take all compliments that are coming my way. Um, you know, it looks like you could use a little bit of a shave there. But, I know. Uh, I was I'm just looking always, at that. But I'm, I'm usually the, the hairier one of us, too, so I'm not one to really, like, make make too much fun there. So. Well, that's why I was about to shave before I came on here, and then I realized, I said, well, Jim doesn't shave most times. So I'm thinking, I'm not going <laughs> to shave either. And then I'm looking, and I'm going, God damn, I look scruffy. And, uh, and you're looking a little bit tidier today. That's why I came up with you. I was going to call you a handsome bastard, but I... <laughs> <laughs> but And I've already said it, so I should have just started with that. Anyway, so what are we going to talk about today? Today we're going to talk about the seven common uh, podiatry marketing mistakes and then how people can try to avoid them or you know create better habits that will lead to, uh, to more success and to accelerate practice growth. You know, I think there's... Um, you know, it's, we've talked about kind of getting started. We've talked about a lot of tactics here recently, but I think it's kind yeah. of good to go back to some of the basics and just kind of overview some of those um, things we touched about in other uh, shows, but just really kind of like drill down on like seven things that people can focus on. Cause you know, like top seven. there's so much stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. The top seven. <laughs> there's probably about 150. There's probably 150 yeah, yeah, exactly. mistakes to make, but I, I like the idea of bringing it down to the main seven that, if they can address those problems, they're going to just do so much better in their marketing. No, for sure. So where do we start? What's the first one that you think, uh, as are these in order of importance or these are just the top seven not ranked in any particular way? I would say the last one is probably the most important and we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, and we actually touched on it a little while ago, but uh, these other six are just kind of like no, no specific order. And uh, the first one's really about um, taking a little bit of time. I think sometimes people don't take a, take enough time to reflect about what they want to do in their practice. What does their ideal practice look like? Um, they're just really, people just lack some self-reflection and they, and they in turn, they try to be kind of everything to everyone. So that's, mm. I'd say that's kind of the first mistake. Yeah, and that's all they say. If you try to be everything to everyone, you end up being nobody for no one. Is that what they say? Is that the, is that <laughs> nothing the to nobody, maybe? Nothing to nobody, nothing yeah, to something no like that. But yeah, and yeah. it's true. It's, it's think about, I read once and it said, what, you know, what is your ideal day look like? And your ideal day is going to, it's not just your ideal patient, but it's like, or your ideal clinic, but what's your ideal day look like? And then your ideal week, your ideal month. So it all comes back to self-reflection. And if, if you don't do that though, right? Like you're gonna be starting a practice, you're not gonna be busy. I mean, it's not that you can't, you know, get started and do some things. Maybe you'll want to like, you know, move, move away from down the line. But if you have a clear vision of exactly who you are and what you wanna do, um, not only does it help you feel good about your day, like you said, like deciding what's a perfect day for you to you know, look like, but it helps kind of craft how you're going to talk to other people about what you do. Maybe it's other people in your community, other healthcare professionals. You just have to have that kind of self-knowledge um, and kind of know thyself before you just kind of jump in there. Um, and I'll, obviously we, we're all kind of you know, doing some form of you know, foot and ankle uh, you know, medicine or healthcare. Um, so there is already kind of a niche there, but what is that kind of like that niche that's one step further that would make you 
super amped up and pumped up to go into the office or into the clinic each week. Yeah, it's funny you should mention it. I had a conversation with a group of podiatrists last night with the uh, Spartans group that I have. And that was a question I asked me, what's something you, you love doing? And I asked each of them individually, what do you love doing? Over anything else, if you could, if you could see five patients tomorrow, what would what would that patient be like? And it was surprising. I mean, it said, I just love ingrown toenails. And I said, ingrown toenail surgery or just ingrown toenails? And they said, either or. They said, I just love ingrown toenails because you get a result at the end of it. There's, there's, yeah, the patient walks out out of pain, whether it was through surgery or just uh, routine care. And I said, okay, that's really cool. So it's with your marketing, your last marketing thing, how much of your last marketing was all based around ingrown toenails? And I'm like, oh, well, hang on. I have to think about that. <laughs> so that's the thing. And this is where you need to do your self-reflection. It's what do you love doing? And if that's what you love doing, then it needs to be in your marketing. No, that, that's, a, that's a huge component, right? If uh, you have to kind of show that to the world because no one's just going to know what you like to do. They're going to see you as the foot doctor, but they don't know much more beyond that. So it's, it's up to you to really like craft that message, to know what you want to do and kind of go out there and get it. Yeah. It's, I said to someone once, they tell me what they love doing. I said, if what you love doing was illegal, could I find enough evidence on your website to convict you? And majority of podiatrists would get let off. <laughs> there, wouldn't, there wouldn't be enough evidence on there to say, yeah, you know, that is what they really love doing. I just can't find it because they go so broad. No, it's, it's, it's you know, when you're just getting started or even in, you know, the way we're taught in, in podiatry school, uh, it just can be easy just to try to be everything to everybody and just to be a catch-all for all foot and ankle problems. But, you know, as you set up that message about who you are and what you do, you're, you're able to better attract those kind of ideal clients or those ideal patients to your practice. Yeah, and once somebody said like on this call last night, but what if I don't know what I love yet? And I said, well, that's okay. Then do just do everything until you figure it out. But you might find there may be 10 different aspects of podiatry that you love, but if you had to rank them, you'll find there will be something that's going to be more towards the top. But I think sure. a new, new, a new podiatrist, like I know when I graduated, I said, I want to work with elite athletes. This is my thing. I'm going to work with elite athletes. I'm going to be a freaking awesome podiatrist for elite athletes. 12 months later, I'm going, if I get one more elite athlete walk in this clinic, I'm going to... <laughs> I said, they're the last people that I want to work with. They drove me nuts. I would rather work with weekend warriors. But as a student or as a recent graduate, I assumed that's what I wanted to do. And I could have tried to base my whole clinic around that. But initially, it's went, I'm going to broad. This is what I love doing, so I'm going to push down that. But then I realized I didn't like them. They were too much hard work. But I think that's a great point, though. It's like it's kind of like it's not necessarily just deciding this is it, but testing those ideas or kind of those things you think you might want to do with some real world and then adjust and pivot as time goes on. It's about being flexible, learning who you are, learning what you're doing. It's not just a static thing. Yeah. So what's next on the top seven of Jim's tips? <laughs> so number two, I would say is, um, you know, once you start making doing some marketing, uh, people sometimes make it all about themselves, like them and their training, them and their clinic, them and they do this thing. And while you need to tell people what you do, it's really more about showing the benefits you can provide your patients than it is really like uh, your website to be a resume of the amazing residency or fellowship or podiatry school experience you had. So I think that's really what it's about is to like make sure that the marketing that you do, whether it's your website, Google ads, 
any kind of thing online or offline, it really needs to lead first with that benefit that you provide people in your community or the patients that come to your practice. I think that relates to everything in life though. It'd be no different to somebody talking to you about marketing or, or someone coming to me you know, wanting to do business coaching. It's how can I help them is the important part. They don't care what I've done or what I can do. It's how can I help them? So if that's how they would choose a, a business coach or other things in their life, then you, they've got to realize the patients are thinking the same thing. How can you help me? So please tell me. Yeah, it's almost kind of like they call it what's ser servant leadership or steward leadership, where it's really like uh, people are coming to you for help and assistance. And like that, that is kind of what the, the service you provide people. So when you're able to show that in your marketing, um, that it's not just like, look at me, I'm the foot surgeon, you know, like obviously you want to like show you treating specific types of patients and showing your expertise is important on your website, but it is those benefits that you provide your patients that it's really going to like speak their language and really connect with them when they see your website or the marketing that you're doing. Yeah, I remember a chiropractor here in Cairns. They're not here anymore, so I can talk about them. And they used to send out their monthly news. It used to be hard copy. And we, my wife and I would get it and we would read it and just go, my God. And in the newsletter, it was all about the trip they'd just taken you know, overseas the, and photos, the new BMW, the matching BMWs they just bought themselves. And the whole newsletter was about them. Very little was about the patients or how they can help you or what they were doing in the community. It was so centered around them uh, that it was to the point of almost being repulsive. Yeah, like I said, that's a perfect example of why it should be about the patients and not totally about you. <laughs> so what's number three? Number three is really like, so you say you want to do marketing, you want to do certain things. Um, this is going to require a certain amount of like work, follow-up and accountability. And if you don't have a system in place, let's say maybe it's a member of your staff that's doing it or you're outsourcing it to like a marketing expert, um, you're going to run into problems because like this, this is more work. This is something that's not just like all these marketing um, ways of acquiring new patients or you know, showcasing some of the services you provide. Um, if someone claims it's kind of like set it and forget it, um, they're kind of selling you a bill of goods because this does take consistent effort, work, refinement, adjusting things on the fly. So you have to have an accountability system, with, either with somebody internal on your team that's reporting to you, showing you what they're doing, how they're making improvements, iterating on it, making it better, or working with kind of a you know, like an industry leader, someone who knows the profession, who you work with and trust and have built trust with over a period of time to be that person who is working on your behalf. Um, so that that's kind of a, a, an important thing because, you know, especially I would say like solo practitioners or people mm -hmm. that are um, you know, solo providers, you've got so many other things going on. If you think you're gonna find some magic marketing solution that just like is an automated flywheel, uh, I'm a little skeptical that that's really possible. Yeah, it's interesting what you talk about, the whole accountability. It's, it's no different to when we went through university. The reason they give us exams is to make us accountable. They can't just say, Tyson, we just assume for the last four years, you've actually done the work that you said you were going to do, and now you're qualified. No, they every semester, we'd like you to do these exams just to prove that you have actually been doing the work. Problem is when we get out and we have our own business, this is where I think, business coaching is, is probably 
the has the most benefit is it keeps people accountable. Like I know people that I work with, if they don't do what they're supposed to be doing and they're not getting the results they're supposed to be getting, there's no point in working together. So, but if you're going to do it yourself, you have to you have to be accountable to yourself, and and trying to think. Yeah, I was accountable at university, so I've been I've been taught for so many years on how to be accountable because there's an exam. To me, you should constantly be testing yourself. No, that's that's an excellent point. I would say also a lot of these different marketing platforms are always changing. They're always like adjusting. So like it's not like it's it's not that like these things can't work kind of as a set it and forget it. But like in three months, Google's going to change something, or in six months, like uh, Apple will change a browser, so you can no longer track exactly how that. Facebook ad or that Google ad is working. And if, unless you're like in that in the day to day, like you may not understand how much of an impact that can have on your practice. So you need to have either someone on your staff that's paying attention to that or work with kind of a, you know, an industry or a, like a podiatry a marketing expert or someone that, you know, you build a relationship that is in it every day that knows these little details. Cause it's, you know, you can understand 90% of it, but if you can't, you know, understand all of it and be able to really um, make those adjustments as these platforms are changing, you'll soon be left behind. And the things that worked five years ago or 10 years ago, like those don't work today anymore. And there's a reason why. So you really have to be consistently, you have to be on it on a consistent basis with those those changes in these different systems to understand what's working today. Yeah, I, if, if I went back 15 years ago and somebody said, what's my number one marketing platform that I use? TV and radio were absolutely awesome for me because TV and radio, we didn't have Netflix. We didn't have all the streaming services. So people watched TV my, and my market watched TV. Now, probably TV and radio, well, probably not so much radio because radio can still work in a certain way. But TV, I wouldn't go near it because it's just things have changed so much and People's attention is so different. Somebody posted something the other day in the UK podiatry group and was like, oh, I'm thinking of doing this type of ad. What's everyone's feedback? And I just wanted to headbutt my computer because the, the comments that were coming through, I'm going, oh, it's more to it than just, I'm just going to put this ad in here. What does everyone think? And, and to me, that's what holds people back is they just, they're not educating themselves on this sort of stuff. And they think, oh, if I ask this group, those 10 comments that I got from people, now I've got all the advice I need. And I'm thinking, one, some of the comments were actually weren't too bad, but about seven out of the 10 were just rubbish. Yeah, I would say that's, yeah, I totally agree there. Cause I think that sometimes these platforms as well, they try to make it look super easy. So it makes it feel yeah. like it's gonna be this, this thing where like, all I have to do this one thing and I'll have success, but behind the scenes, it's much more complex uh, on a lot of these different platforms. Yeah, well the one comment somebody said to them well, before you do any marketing or whatever magazine they were going to go in, and they said to them, who are you targeting? Well, who is your ideal client? That was the main thing they said. Right. And I think that's a good question to ask, but there's so much more like leading up to that yeah, in the first place because they might have a, an ideal client, but if their clinic's not set up to address those ideal clients, they're sort of going to be wasting the time as well. Totally agree. So, Jim... Let's move on. What is the uh, the fourth tip? Yeah, I would say that sometimes people get a little too distracted by uh, bright, shiny objects in the marketing world, right? They kind of lead with FOMO. You know, they see that Snapchat is big or TikTok is big. And basically what happens is that, like we talked about previously, like 
these different channels and these different opportunities require a significant amount of not only work on the front end, but also on the back end to really like uh, to just keep things going and, and th make things relevant for your specific audience. So if you go in too many different directions, it's a huge you know, lack of focus. You're, you're wasting time. And I just, you know, I think this can be, it's kind of keeping up with the Joneses in a way, right? You see yeah. that this clinic is doing Instagram, so I have to do it. But really what you need to do is back up, gain some focus, how, and start with the website, right? That website is the home base of your entire online presence. For the mothership. Clinic. Exactly. So, you know, treat it as if it were your physical clinic, as long as you're treating your physical clinic really well. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's going to be a lot of people's first impression of who you are, your professionalism, what you do. So instead of trying to do all of the things, focus on just having a killer website that attracts patients, that allows them to easily make appointments, that builds trust in them before they even step in your foot in your clinic. Avoid, and at least initially, avoid some of these other channels. You don't need an amazing website, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, I don't know. All those different things, like start off with one solid thing and then you can build from there. Because um, if you don't have that solid online foundation, this other stuff is is really kind of worthless and waste of time and effort. Yeah, I saw a quote that I posted recently. It was, I was going to rule the world, but then I saw something shiny. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and But it's true. Like, I mentioned that, and we've talked about it before, where people will do something because it seems really popular at the time. So they'll see another podiatry clinic down the road and they're doing these really cool videos and they're pointing at things on the screen that, yeah, these words pop up or, and I said, they're just going, and then you have a look at the people that like it. A majority of them are just other podiatrists who are, they're all following each other because they, they're afraid oh, I might miss something. But yeah, to me, I, I agree. Website has got to be at your forefront. If that is not nailed, you're wasting your time with all the other stuff. Totally agree. Because people have Instagram, yeah. Facebook, Snapchat. They'll have all that stuff. And then they, they and you say, oh, how's your website? Oh, no, I'm still working on that. It's under construction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad, that's bad news bears right there. Bad news bears. Jeez, that's old. <laughs> well, speaking of old, we'll get to the next one. And that is uh, a big mistake is insufficient marketing budget. So yes. Like obviously this is self-serving. I want everyone to spend $10,000 a month on podiatry growth marketing services. No, that, that's not it. Um, but some people think that you can, you can get an adequate return on an investment for $100 or $200 a month and that should be enough. Um, but really you don't know. I mean, if you live in New York City, if you live in San Francisco, maybe three to $4,000 is like a median or an average amount, right? So it's really one of these things I think that people uh, they need to kind of find a way to test their marketing budget, to test the threshold. You know, in the previous episode, we talked about what is a reasonable um, yeah. way to make a marketing budget. What are some some hard numbers? But I would say that some people just they want to kind of dip their toe in the water. And if you're dipping your toe, you're probably going to give yourself a great excuse why marketing doesn't work, because until you kind of reach that threshold where your spend meets that return on investment, um, you really have to be willing to experiment when you when you jump in and do both online and offline marketing. I agree 100%. Uh, and you can, like, 
I think the, the previous episode when we spoke about having your marketing budget, and my I used to put a certain percentage back into it. And up until selling my clinic, I did very little online marketing myself because I was in like I'm in a regional area, and it was being connected with the community was what really drove our business. There were say eight other podiatry clinics, we didn't have a lot of competition, so. It wasn't, and I was always, if you Google podiatrists anyway, we were always number one. We just just dominated. So I'd never had to do a lot of advertising online. These days, though, if we're setting up another clinic, I mean, the whole online side of things is really, really important. And you're going to get Jack for 200 bucks. <laughs> you're not going to get, you're not going to get too much at all. But I think what you said is a good point. You've got to test it out. You might put in a thousand and see what response you get. And I always say, if I invested a thousand and got ten thousand back, I would be putting in two thousand. Especially if I was getting twenty thousand back, I'd be putting in three thousand. If I was getting thirty thousand back, so look at the numbers and and keep educating yourself in that area. Well, you you stole point number six here, oh, and that's shit. exactly what, what point number six is. That's totally okay. But like, it's having a system. People don't have a system. Oh, double to assess what. To what's working and what's not working right yeah so like you said you have to kind of test that budget see what's working what's not working when something's working you double down on it you just keep on going back to that testing it out um but just knowing what works and doesn't work is a huge aspect of that and if you don't have some way of measuring or having a system to kind of write down because like you have so many other things going on in your practice right and in your life are you going to remember this ad type, this video ad type versus this photo ad type was what worked and didn't work. You know, so I was just going to really show you something for a sec. Things. Yeah, let's take a look. This is my marketing manual. <laughs> so you said, well, this, is, this isn't technically the marketing manual like, on how to do it, but this is uh, just some of the past things that I've tried and the feedback. That's, a, that's why if this is sounding very echoey now, it's because I'm holding a big folder above my head. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, it's it's like the reason we came up with well, the reason I have this is because we did we tested things and we would note down when we were doing some form of marketing we would note down on the marketing sheet what the weather was at the time whether it was great weather whether it was really bad weather because the weather effect we we found the weather the temperature the time of the year so many things influenced our marketing. And that was whether you were doing offline or online. It, there were so many other variables. So I think the more information you can gather, you can always throw it away if you don't need it, but you've really got to gather the information and feedback. Yeah, that, that was cool to see that folder. That thing is, that's a thick, that's a thick folder there. <laughs> it's, I tell you, I, well, what we used to do each year, at the end of, I used to create a folder for each year. Then at the end of each year, we'd block out two days and I would sit down, uh, I used to hire this room that, uh, was all had bean bags and everything in there, a desk for for your computer, and all the walls you could actually write on them. And so we would hire the room out for two days. I'd go in with all my marketing folders, and I'd sit there and I'd flick through everything from going back 10, 15 years, what worked, what didn't work, results, and I'd be recording everything. It was like a beautiful mind. I'd just be writing all this stuff up <laughs> on the walls, and I'd do this for two days, and then I'd take all photographs of the wall, and that was my plan for pretty much the next year. And that's just how I did that's things. Awesome. And I'm just a, a stickler for KPIs and statistics. And and to me, there's no point gathering information if you're not going to use it. No, it's huge and making good decisions. So what is Jim's number one 
mistake in the top seven? Maybe it's a, this is a mistake because it's something I, 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 I myself am guilty of. I'm not a, uh, despite you know how I sound on this podcast, I'm not a perfect person. Um, and I don't have all the answers, but I know that the thing um, that is going to separate a lot of people uh, and make them uh, really great and successful in their own practice and in life and in relationships and whatever you're going to do is consistency. Um, just being consistent with your marketing, being consistent with your messaging. It's not that it can't change, but when you're when you're basically consistently putting yourself out there, you know, you're not marketing for a month and then going away for six months yeah. or you're not like saying, oh, this month I'm going to be a sports medicine podiatrist and then next month I'm going to be a, you know, a wound specialist or something, right? You can make some gradual changes over time, but it's just consistently putting in the work, consistently hammering home on your message, consistently like utilizing different forms of marketing to help grow your practice. Those are the things that makes people successful. So I think when people lack that consistency, they're kind of all over the map or they're just, they don't have those things nailed down um, or like, you know, not consistent about some of those previous things we talked about. That's when people really run into trouble. Um, you know, if you're, if you're working hard on a consistent basis um, and doing the right things, I think success will come. Uh, consistency is the key for everything, whether it's your health, your relationship, your business, the relationship with your team, it's really been consistent with, with everything. And you know, I even found ourselves, whenever we did a, a campaign, anything we were going to be marketing, we had it in place it was going to run for six to eight weeks. That was the campaign. And what we were really pushing was going to be at the forefront on our website. Any online and offline marketing that we were doing, it was the same message that we were pushing out there. Then before that campaign finished, that's why it'd be six or eight weeks because we'd be basing it on the numbers to see how it went. We already had the next campaign worked out. So when that one finished, the next one started. So we would have, throughout the year, you could have, say, six to maybe eight different campaigns as the year went on. But sometimes, the, but you might be repeating them. So there's probably only three campaigns, but we would be rotating them uh, as we went. I used to have this one ad that we used online and offline, and the title was Attention! people with heel and arch pain. That ad and the rest of the ad that went with it made me well over a million dollars. It was just that headline. Attention, people with heel and arch pain. And you know who it attracted? People with heel and arch pain? Funny, isn't it? Didn't attract people that needed <laughs> the toenails cut or callus removed or or, or, or someone that it just it attracted people with yeah, heel and arch pain. That was consistency. I would say on the side of like an online presence or, or a website, you know, I think when I'm, when I'm building somebody a website, right. I think, you know, the whole, I think a lot of the kind of relationships I've had with, uh, with podiatrists that I've worked with is that, you know, when they first meet me, they think, okay, like this is going to be a person that builds me this thing. And then like that person will go away and I'll never see them again. But yeah. the way I have a relationship with my, with the podiatrists I work with is a little bit different, right? Like I'm kind of a consistent partner like kind of a marketing partner with them because we're not going to see like it go from you know 50 new new like website visitors to like a thousand tomorrow or the next month it is this gradual build this gradual gradual iteration and the content and the messaging and testing things together seeing what opportunities we have uh, in their local area to really help them 
gain kind of awareness with their local community. So it is like, even with my own work, right, when I'm working with podiatrists or when I'm trying to promote this podcast, yeah. it, it is really about trying to be consistent on in the long term, that's going to really reap the best results and build those strong bonds of trust um, to really help people accelerate their growth in like a sustainable and like helpful way, as opposed to some like empty promise or some like, I don't know, just like some unrealistic expectations about what's possible with with marketing a practice. I, I think, yeah, with the consistency and everything else that you've summed up here, a lot of people will say, yeah, I don't need to market myself. My reputation will build my clinic. No, it won't. That's that's a simple answer. Reputation used to years ago, but it doesn't anymore. And and that's why some podiatrists that have been out for a number of years who had great reputation, great clinics, are getting their ass kicked by the younger people coming through who realize, if I want to build my clinic, I need to market my business. It's just just the way that it is. And the ones that I've seen who are succeeding are the ones that, that, that last point... They're consistent with what they do. But the problem sometimes they can have is when they get to that point where they think they've made it and they don't need to market anymore because, yeah, I've now made it, then they very quickly get overtaken. You need to just, you need, it's something you need to just keep working. Your business is like a living organism. You need to just keep feeding it and you need to keep trying to grow it. Just, it can't stay stagnant. That's well put. So, Jim, have you got anything else to wrap up since I was rant raving on them? No, that's my uh, fantastic seven mistakes that uh, I see when podiatrists are trying to do marketing. And there are great seven seven uh, mistakes too. So until next week, Jim, um, I hope you have a fantastic day, whatever you got on for the rest of the day, and I'll talk to you again next week. Sounds great, Tyson. You too. Okay, see ya. Bye now. Thanks for listening to Podiatry Marketing with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Subscribe and learn more at Podiatry Marketing. That's the website address, podiatry.marketing.